0: You know, in the United States of America, we spend a lot of time on marketing. Uh, There are entire industries that do nothing but design the package that you will see when you go into the store. Believe it or not, there's a lot of science involved in this. What colors catch your eye? What the lines do to take your eye from where you are to the center of the product? What it is about the product that they want to emphasize? And as you would guess... There are people who have learned to, well, not lie to you. They just don't tell you the whole truth. So now there's a whole industry of people who expose people who use deceptive practices in their packaging. For instance, there was one box of expensive chocolates that had a small cellophane window in one side of the box. Of course, that cellophane window was crowded with the expensive chocolates, But when you open up the box, what you found out is, well, that was pretty much all the chocolates in that box. The illusion of the package is that it is filled with chocolates. The reality, not much. On and on it goes. If you're not careful, the packaging will deceive you about the content. Not only do we live in a culture of marketing, which spends a lot of time on packaging, we live in a culture that worships style over substance. It'd be rather to look good than be good. We're not the only people to spend too much time on the package and not enough time on the content. In fact, Paul writes to an early church that had just this problem. It's his first letter to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'll begin reading with verse 26. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from the human perspective. Not many were powerful. Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world what is viewed as nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus who became wisdom from God for us, our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption. In order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord, it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became the wisdom of God. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. In this time where everybody is searching for hope, when everybody is looking to find a reason, we pray that your church, your people, will be filled to overflowing with the living presence of who you are and that the hope you pour into our lives will run out, run over, run through us to the lives of those around us who need so much hope right now. We pray this in your name. Amen. Paul wrote two letters. Well, two letters that we have copies of. There was a lot of correspondence between the church in Corinth and Paul the Apostle. Paul had an interesting relationship with Corinth. Corinth was uh, a a powerful church. They were uh, strong personalities. They loved being Christians. They loved being spiritual. And in fact, if you came and worshiped with them, joined them on one of their worship services, they would love to tell you how spiritual they were. Now, whether or not they got around to talking about Jesus, well, that was another thing. But they loved to tell you how spiritual they were. They could list all the things that they could do in the spiritual world. They could speak in tongues. They could prophesy. Uh, they could do this. They could do that. In fact, if you added all of this up, they were more spiritual than Paul. And in fact, in some ways, they challenged Paul and said, You know, we really don't have to listen to you. Is it any wonder then that it is to the Corinthians? that Paul writes the beautiful chapter of 1 Corinthians 13. Though I have all these spiritual things you're bragging about, he says, but if I don't have love, I'm nothing. The packaging you're so proud of, Paul says, is nothing if the content is not real. It's not about the show that you put on. It's not about how much you look like a Christian. It is the content of your heart, the content of your life that comes from Christ pouring himself into you. However you do ministry, however you define it, however you express it, ministry is giving yourself away. And the problem with people who do what I do, with our pastor's team, with our other ministers, is that if you're not careful, you'll give yourself away. You will become empty and useless. An empty container is a really nice package with nothing inside. That's why it is imperative for spiritual leaders, pastors, uh, ministers of worship, disciples, uh, you and your family, to constantly being in a situation where you are being poured into by the Spirit of Christ. You open up the emptiness that you are, and you allow Christ to fill you with who he is. Now, why is that so hard for us to get? Here's why. Have you ever cleaned out a garbage can? Yeah, my mom made me clean out the garbage can too. And I would protest. Why are we cleaning out the garbage can? Because it stinks. Yes, it stinks because we put garbage in it. I don't want it to stink. That made no sense to me. But if you know my mom, it was pointless to argue. So I would stand out in the backyard with the garbage can at a particular angle and the hose as fast and as hard as it could get the water out. And I would squirt squirt and squirt and squirt and squirt and squirt and squirt and everything that had been stuck on the bottom of that garbage can would now come floating to the top. Talk about stink. Once more, I couldn't remember ever throwing some of that stuff away. I don't know where it came from, but the last thing I wanted to spend any time with was what was floating up from the bottom of that garbage can in the same way. When Christ starts working in your life, When you realize that you have to have him in your life and he begins to pour himself into you, the first thing that happens is all that junk that settled down at the bottom of your life, it starts floating up to the top. Now, it has to do that for Christ to get it out of your life, but it is a painful and embarrassing moment, isn't it, to see all of that garbage that you have stuffed so deeply down come floating to the top. And then finally be washed away in the river of his forgiveness. That's why a lot of us stop before it ever gets finished. Because when we're cleaning out the trash and Christ is filling himself, into, pouring himself into us, it floats to the top and we're embarrassed. We've tried to hide this stuff. We've tried to run away from this stuff. And now Christ brings it back up. Why? Why? So you can remember. You know, sometimes when you go through a bad time, the last thing you want to do is spend any time looking back. You don't ever want to think about that time again. And somebody brings it up to you and say, hey, what happened last week? Oh, don't even talk about last week. I don't ever want to talk about last week again. And some of us don't ever want to remember how lost we were because it was frightening. It was humiliating. It was embarrassing when you hit bottom. When you finally realized that you couldn't do life by yourself, that you were going to have to have help. And you called out for Jesus, however you did, and he found you. And he began to pour himself into you, and your life changed. And it changed so drastically. It changed so dramatically. It changed so thoroughly. You don't ever want to think about how bad it was ever again. But as Paul reminds us, it's not a bad exercise. Not to beat yourself up. Not not to, you know, remind everybody what a loser you were. No, that's not the point. The point is to celebrate how far Christ has brought you. I remember where I was. I remember what I did. I remember how it felt. I remember how I had blown every opportunity I had. And now I can tell you what Christ has done so that you understand that it wasn't your strength, your power, your intellect, your wisdom. Let anyone who boasts, Paul says, boast in the Lord. It is his gift. It is his work. It is his glory, his celebration, his fullness that has made you who you are. Don't forget that. Especially don't forget it now when the world looks so messed up and so broken that when you watch the news or read the paper or talk to friends and you say, well, you know, this is wrong and that is wrong and that is broken, and I don't know what, how to fix that. Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they did? On and on the list will go until the point you think, I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know how to fix this. And you begin to ask yourself, what can I bring to a world that's in such a mess? You want me to be honest with you? Nothing. Nothing. You can't bring anything. He has chosen the foolish, He has chosen the weak. He has chosen the insignificant. He has chosen, did you see what he said? The things that are not. Do you realize our God is so good, so powerful, you don't even have to be here at all for God to use you? He has chosen those people, the weak, the powerless, the foolish, the overlooked, the forgotten To confound the wise so that when anybody sees us, when anybody knows us, they praise God for what they see in us, for who they see in us. You and I can't bring anything that's going to make any difference. We can't bring any wisdom to this moment. We can't bring any strength to this moment. We can't bring any healing to this moment. What we can bring, who we can bring. Is the presence of the risen Christ who lives in you, who conquered death, who's forgiven your sins, has ransomed your life, redeemed your past, and now given you a future that is as glorious as He is. That's what you bring. It's not of you, not of me, not your wisdom, not my strength. It's Christ. In us so that whenever we brag, we brag about Jesus. We live in a world that is close to despair. What are you going to bring to it? Nothing. Who are you going to bring to it? Jesus Christ. Paul wrote to the Colossians, this long-held secret has been kept from everybody for generations. And what's that secret now that even the Gentiles know? Christ in you, the hope of glory. So in this moment, when we face a world that is so filled with despair, it's not the container they're concerned about. It's not what the package looks like that interests them. Are you bringing any content that matters? Yes, we are. We're bringing Jesus, the hope of the world. Let's pray together. And our brokenness and our foolishness and our confusion fill us. Fill us to overflowing so that when anybody meets us, sees us, the first person they recognize is you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Before you go, let me ask you a question. What is filling your life? Who is filling your life? Every moment, you're making a decision about what goes into your mind, what goes into your heart. So here's the question. Are you looking for wisdom somewhere else besides Jesus Christ? Do yourself a favor. Turn off the news this week. Don't worry about what's in the newspaper. Don't worry you're going to miss something important. Read your scriptures. Pray. Fill your life with the fullness of who Jesus Christ is. Not only is he the hope of the world, he's your hope too. I'd love to talk with you more. I wish we had that chance, but we don't. But here's what we do have. You can text CONNECT to 623-623. CONNECT to 623-623, and we'll be in touch with you as fast as we can. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.